Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering in the dark with us for the first time, welcome. For those that don't know, we did just launch a new podcast. It's called Astro Chat. So, if you're interested in learning more about astrology and what 2021 holds for you, join us each week on Spotify or check out the podcast on youtube.com slash snarled podcast channel. The one thing more threatening than a snarling wolf at your door is the one in your home in sheep's clothing. The unknown threat that you're not prepared for lurking in your place of sanctuary. Perhaps someone you trust or something you've too long taken for granted. As we'll learn in today's stories, unforeseen danger should be feared the most. First, coveted mittens are more than what was wished for, followed by sisters who must take on the man in the attic. Then, Find out the horrifying history of a family home. Finally, in our featured story, a warning to those who don't take devils seriously. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? Wolf in sheep's clothing. When it comes to clothes, the right accessory can make or break an outfit. However, if you pick out a cursed accessory, it might just break you. Like in this story inspired by Caden. Caden and Adana were best friends. Every day they would race around the playground during recess. One day, Adana was wearing a brand new pair of mittens. The mittens were beautiful, alternating shades of purple and green with her initials, A.M., stitched onto the back of the palm. Kaden admired the mittens. Oh, they were gorgeous. 
Usually, she and Adena would show off their new possessions to each other, but Adena refused to let Caden try on the mittens. In fact, Adena refused to take them off at all. All she wanted to do was admire the mittens on her hands. She was so enthralled with her mittens, she stopped participating in class, not for coloring or even for recess. The next day, when Adena returned to school, still wearing the mittens, she looked drawn and weak. She hardly spoke, staring straight ahead during class and refusing once again to go outside during recess to play with Caden. The teacher, Mrs. White, accused her of being too lazy, chiding, idle hands are the devil's playthings. But Adena ignored the teacher and just remained at her desk, marveling at her mittens. Finally, on the third day, Caden gave up. She left Adena alone and went outside to play tag with the others. When Caden went back inside to use the bathroom, she saw Adena hunkered over the sink, breathing heavily. Adena, are you okay? Adena whipped her head around. She looked awful. She was slouched forward, her eyes drained of life. Her pulse almost seemed to flutter in the drawn skin of her neck. Do you want to play a secret game? Adena asked in a hushed, creepy voice. Cautiously, Caden nodded yes to her best friend. Silent again, Adena turned and stared blankly at the wall as she slowly removed her mittens. She peeled them off of her hands, wincing in pain as she did, and when the mittens were finally off, Caden gasped at what she saw. Adena's hands were covered in boils, burns, and dried blood. The flesh looked like it had been eaten away by poison or acid. Caden demanded to know what happened to her hands, where she had gotten the mittens. Adena finally replied in a raspy breath. They were a gift. From who? Caden was alarmed. With a devilish smirk, Adena whispered hauntingly, It doesn't matter. He chose me. Try them on, Caden, and we can play the secret game. She reached out her disfigured hands, offering the mittens to her friend. Caden jumped backwards, terrified. She ran outside to tell Mrs. White what had happened, but the teacher didn't believe it. The next day, Caden avoided Adena at school. Adena looked like death and Caden wondered why her parents would let her come to school when she was so ill. When Caden spoke to her teacher, Mrs. White said she had called Adana's parents, but no one had answered. She told Caden she would stop by Adana's house after she finished her work that day, but Caden couldn't wait. She quietly followed Adana home after school. Once she had gone inside, Caden snuck around the side of the house to peek inside. She could not believe what she saw. Adena's parents both lay dead on the living room floor, their bodies piled on top of one another. Adena stood over them, unaffected. Caden gasped. She turned to run away, but all of a sudden, Adena was standing right beside her, her eyes glowing with a haunting green light. Do you want to play a secret game? Adena asked, her voice raspy. Caden shook her head and began to cry. No, Adena, no. What did you do? Come on, Caden. My parents played with me 
Adena said. What happened to them? Caden stammered through her tears. Play with me, Caden. Just try on my mittens. Adena pulled one mitten off and revealed a stump of a wrist, her hand completely gone. Caden screamed in terror and gagged at the unexpected sight. This is what happened when you refused me. He took my hand. I need it back. Adena thrust her bloody stump of a hand in Caden's face, torturing her with the horrid smell of rotting flesh. Caden screamed again, but Adena shoved her remaining hand over Caden's mouth, silencing her as she locked hypnotic eyes with her. Adena's eyes glowed neon green, and Caden fell under her spell. Her body relaxed, and Adena released her hand from Caden's mouth. Adena kept her eyes locked on Caden's, which now glowed with a faint green light, mirroring Adena's. Put on my mittens, Caden, Adena commanded. Caden obeyed. She took the mittens from Adena and slowly pulled them onto her own. Her body writhed in pain as the mittens engulfed her hands. Suddenly, they took on a life of their own. Caden's hands crept up and wrapped around her own throat, strangling her, and she could not stop them. Adena held up her stump hand, and as the life left Caden's body, Adena's missing hand grew back, healed. Caden's hands remained locked around her throat, her eyes bugged out as she strangled herself to death. Adena examined the body of her best friend for a moment, then pulled the mittens off of Caden's stiff, mangled hands and put them back on. Just then, the doorbell rang, followed by a knock and a familiar voice saying, Hello? Hello? Adena snuck a peek around the house. It was her teacher. She had come to check on the girl and her parents. Adena smiled wickedly and whispered, her voice renewed. Come, idle hands. It's Mrs. White's turn to play my secret game. Thank you so much, Caden, for letting us know about your tale, about your story, and inspiring this one. Listener, how well do you know your friends? Do you know everything? that is going on with them, would you know if something was off? Something big like this or something else? Keeping in mind, while this is a scary story, sometimes scary things can happen in real life. If you are suffering from abuse at home or think you know someone who might show signs of it, you can reach the domestic abuse hotline at thehotline.org. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you experience the presence of an unknown entity, better to leave well enough alone and retreat to do your research and prepare. But if not, then be prepared for the worst. Like in this story inspired by Alexis. When Trina was eight years old, her family moved into her grandmother's house, which had been in the family for a few generations. They had been living there for a few days when Trina's older sister, Shira, started telling her about a recurring nightmare she was having. She claimed it wasn't a dream, and that in the middle of the night, there was a dark figure in the shape of a man watching over her. Each time she tried to ask the creeper what it wanted, she was too afraid to speak. After about a week of this, Trina told Shira she would switch rooms with her. So Trina moved into the room that was upstairs in the attic. The first time Trina slept in Shira's room, she was too anxious to sleep. So she just stared out the window instead. When she finally started to drift off, she was suddenly snapped awake by the sound of creaking floorboards, a sound that was coming closer. Frozen with fear, she didn't dare move or look until the sound receded, as if someone was walking away. Shira hadn't been dreaming after all. The following night, Trina decided she would catch the culprit by sleeping facing the door and also hit a flashlight under her pillow. That night, when she heard the creaking floorboards, she reached for the flashlight and shined it on the figure that emerged through her door. What she could make out of its face looked like an older man. Go back to sleep. A voice calmly whispered as the silhouette exited the room. Unharmed and with a strange sense of ease, Trina soon fell asleep. Shira and Trina finally told their mother, Vivian, about their experiences while visiting their grandmother at her nursing home. Vivian laughed it off, claiming what imaginative children she had, that she'd spent her whole childhood in that house wishing she'd had a sibling or a ghost friend to play with. Grandma had a different story and explained that when she was growing up in the house, she also would wake every night to visions of a man in her room peering at her. Their grandmother went on to explain that when her own father used to hear the laughter of children coming from the basement, but when he looked for their grandmother and her brother, he would find them upstairs. Their grandmother said her family felt blessed to live in a house so loved by its previous inhabitants that they chose to stay. She was comforted by this and likened the shadow man to a guardian angel looking over her at night. Eventually, she changed bedrooms when her brother moved out, and as she got older, she forgot all about the spirit until the girls mentioned him. The story made Trina's curiosity grow. 
She was determined to talk to the hovering man who has haunted this particular bedroom for generations. Shira agreed, and that night, the girls slept in the attic together. Shira was still scared, so they laid in bed facing each other, Trina's eyes towards the door. The moment finally came, like clockwork. The door scraped open, and Trina could see the shadow grow with each step the man took. Suddenly, Shira's eyes nearly popped out of her head as Trina watched the man's long, knobbly fingers wrap around Shira's shoulder. Shira let out a scream so loud, the man peeled her over to get a better look at her. His face twisted into confusion at seeing her face. Trina shouted, Let go of her! Let go! The man screamed back, Where is my daughter? The spirit began rushing around the room at high speed, taking down everything in its path, shelves crashing to the floor, books soaring through the air, searching for his child. Trina, terrified, finally managed to croak. Who are you? With this, the spirit stopped in his tracks, twisting only his head a sharp 180 degrees to face her, he said. This is my house. Who are you? The spirit now poltergeist charged toward the girls and was nearly upon them when the sound of an earth-shattering scream filled the room, causing it to disappear. Their mother stood shaking in the doorway. Her scream had banished the malevolent ghost for the moment. She ran to her daughters and collected them in her arms. They would all sleep at a hotel that night. The attack sparked an investigation by the family about the house and its previous residents. What they discovered made them move out immediately. The spirit of the man was not a protector at all, but rather a heartbroken murderer. When his wife passed away, the man plunged into a deep depression that gave way to madness. In a misguided effort to reunite his family, he murdered his daughters starting with the one in the attic bedroom. Apparently, while he was alive, it had taken him a while to work up the courage to commit murder. So he had spent many nights entering his daughter's room and losing his nerve and comforting her instead. Until the one night when he didn't. As the story goes, this man's murderous spirit still enters the room every night searching for his courage to kill whoever resides inside. Thank you, Alexis, for sending this wonderful story to us, inspiring this tale. Have any of you slept in the attic of a house? I've been in a couple of attics, and there's something about the energy of that empty space, usually a storage space, They say that heat rises. I wonder if all of the energy that happens below in the attic, if that would rise also, imbuing an attic with an energy all of its own. Would you be afraid to sleep in an attic? If you were approached by an unsettled spirit like this, would you try to help ease them? Or have you ever communicated with a ghost? Tell us your stories, and especially if you have a story of mediumship, send them to me 
at somethingscary at snarled.com. Friendships are complicated, particularly when one takes and takes and takes. In this story, inspired by Gail, we'll see how much one teen is willing to sacrifice for a friend. Dyson lay awake all night. He was so excited because in the morning, he would finally be 13 years old, an official teenager. His parents had always told him turning 13 would be special. And when it happened, he would know why. His eyes darted to the clock, 6.08 a.m. He squeezed his eyes shut again and tried to distract himself. Finally, he heard his parents' 6.30 a.m. alarm go off. With the sun peeking through his window, he leaped out of bed, throwing his blanket towards the corner of his room. Hey, chirped a voice from under the blanket, startling Dyson. Dyson squealed in surprise. Shaking, his hand began slowly pulling back the fabric of the discarded blanket to reveal a young boy, roughly the same age but much paler and skinnier. This boy had suddenly appeared in his room, so Dyson knew something was off about him. The only thing keeping his fears at bay was the boy's impossibly friendly smile. I'm Seb. Finally, you can see me, Seb cried out. I've been waiting so long for this day. Happy birthday. Seb proceeded to explain that Dyson belonged to a long line of mediums who gained their power to communicate with the dead when they turned 13. I can teach you all about your new skills. We're going to be best friends forever, beamed Seb. After talking more with Seb and his parents, Dyson couldn't wait to tell his best friends, Junie and Rahul, about his new spirit guide. He invited them over after school, and when he got home with them, he rushed to find Seb. Seb, however, didn't share Dyson's excitement. Seb told Dyson that they were already best friends and was hurt that the boy was still going to claim these others as additional best friends. Eventually, Dyson convinced Seb that they could all be best friends together, and the ghosts reluctantly agreed to meet them. Even though Junie and Rahul couldn't see Seb, they were amazed by Dyson's newfound abilities and only wanted to know more about his supernatural friend. This pleased Seb, and Dyson's enthusiasm and excitement made his two living friends actually feel like they could sense the ghost's presence as well. As the days of summer gave way to fall, the kid's fascination with Seb was replaced with schoolwork and other new friends. Dyson soon considered Seb a bit of a nuisance and began to ask his parents how to help the spirit move on to the afterlife. This did not please Seb. Seb realized Dyson was too distracted. He would make certain he was the center of attention once again. At Dyson's house one day, Rahul was hanging out in the backyard when a heavy branch suddenly broke from the tree and fell onto him. It gashed his head open and he had to be taken to the hospital for stitches. Rahul blamed Seb, but Dyson claimed it had to be a freak accident, even though on some level he feared that it had been Seb. A few days later, Junie didn't show up for school and Dyson learned that she had somehow tripped 
and fell directly into oncoming traffic and was hit by a car. When Dyson visited her in the hospital, she told him she felt something push her. He knew it was Seb. Soon, anyone that had even a passing friendship with Dyson at school was getting injured in unexplained accidents. Eventually, no one wanted to be friends with Dyson. Seb was all that was left. Dyson had no other choice but to send Seb to the other side. Secretly, he began researching local deaths and eventually found an obituary of a boy matching Seb's age and description. Although the details of his death were a mystery, Dyson did find an address of where Seb used to live. That afternoon, Dyson went to an old condemned house that hadn't been occupied in years. He climbed through a broken window and made his way up the rickety old steps towards what used to be Seb's room. Once he got to the top of the stairs, however, he found Seb waiting for him. Seb's smile was incredibly friendly and joyous as he rushed forward, pushing Dyson down the stairs. Dyson crashed down to the bottom, impaling himself on a broken piece of wood. Everything went black as he slowly bled out and died. As Dyson's spirit rose from its body, Seb tightly latched onto his spectral hand. Dyson was now a ghost too, and Seb once again smiled and said, I told you, we're gonna be best friends forever. Thank you so much, Gail, for sending in this obsessive medium tale with a twist for us to enjoy and be inspired by. That's one of the things with mediumship. Remember to send the spirits away to end the connection once the information has been exchanged. When you were growing up or in the process of it, did you ever have an imaginary friend? Are you sure that they were imaginary? It's quite possible that your imaginary friend could have been more than the machinations of your mind. Do you possess any psychic abilities? Was your immediate answer no? Well, what about those imaginary friends? You might want to take a deeper look inside. There's a reason some things belong in a museum. A reason that they are behind glass and not meant to be touched. Touching these ancient objects can not only pose a danger to the artifact, but also to the admirer. Dante's Museum of the Occult was a scary place after dark, but for Carla, it was a second home. In a hushed voice, she spoke to an eager tour group inside the museum as she guided them through the dusty cavernous halls filled with occult artifacts some of which were supposed to prove the existence of demons walking the earth. The final stop of the tour was her favorite. Nyefnor, a four-legged, four-armed, four-eyed creature. A demon lord, also known as Mantis, she explained. Feared since ancient civilization, these horns you're looking at are the only physical evidence of its existence. It is strictly prohibited to come in contact with the horns. 
Carla warned. Carla proudly talked about the blackened and cracked demon horns, said to have dark, mystical properties. That whoever rejoined them onto the body of Niafnor would be granted immortality. With a soft giggle, <laughs> she tried to contain her excitement at the guests' reactions. Some were amused or amazed, but most were very disturbed. That even included her co-workers, who often skipped this part of the tour when they gave it. After the last tour of the day, Carla ushered out the final guests and was shutting off the lights and locking the door when she heard someone shout for her to wait. She looked over and saw a young boy covered head to toe in a baggy hoodie and sweatpants moving swiftly towards her with his walker. It was her favorite patron, AJ, a frequent visitor to the museum who shared Carla's macabre love for the horns of Niefnor. Although she was always happy to see the young patron, she told him it was late that she was closing up for the night. Oh, come on, Carla, please, AJ said with his puppy dog eyes that always somehow convinced her. She had a soft spot for the kid, so she gave him 10 minutes to stay, but that was it. She waved him in and together within the darkened museum, they gazed upon the majestic horns of Niefnor in appreciative silence. Until AJ softly cleared his throat and said, Can we hold the horns this time, Carla? Please? You keep saying one day we would, the boy pleaded. Carla gazed longingly at the horns as she considered the boy's request. She often thought about if they were really genuine, that if she could just touch them, she'd know for sure. She'd been obsessed with the demon ever since she read about it in a comic book when she was younger. She often dreamed of seeing it in all its glory, its rise and rule over the earth with her by its side. Suddenly, Carla realized she had opened the display case, her hands reaching for the horns. Just this once, AJ, she whispered. Nobody but us can ever know. As her hands finally closed around the coveted horns, she smiled and turned to look at AJ, who answered her smile with a greedy, evil one. The whites of his eyes were suddenly swallowed by his black pupils, and they began to bulge out of his head. A deep, guttural voice came out of him. The sacrifice has accepted. Bring me the horns. Carla filled with fear, couldn't stop herself. It was as if she was being controlled. Lifting the heavy horns from the case, they began to heat from the inside out and her hands seared in pain. Her hands adhered to them. She yelled in agony while the stench of burning flesh filled the room. Carla tried to fight it, but she brought the horns to AJ. He told her the reason they'd always connected is because she had a greater purpose to serve the dread demon Nyefnor, to help him achieve his final form. Then AJ's body began to grow and contort. As his limbs grew past the baggy clothing, demonic flesh was revealed. Carla shook with sudden understanding. This demonic form of Nyefnor's had one set of arms, legs, and eyes, but its final form was supposed to have four. She tried to run, 
But without warning, AJ tore Carla's legs from her body, leaving her writhing in pain as he stabbed them into his own hips. The demon lord roared. These two legs complete yet Norse four. Her arms were torn from her torso and forced into his chest while Carla shrieked and bled in agony. These two arms complete Nyatnor's four, the demon chanted. Through her pain and misery, Carla realized she was a spell component and some grim, long-forgotten magic. Finally, he scooped her eyes out with the sharp points of the horns. The blackened horns erupted in a hellish red glow as new eyes erupted from what was once AJ's sweet, childlike face. These two eyes complete Nefnor's four. Gaping holes opened on the demon's head as he used Carla's hands to seat his horns into their places. The hellish red glow now engulfed his body, merging Carla's limbs seamlessly into him as if that is where they had always been. His transformation complete, Nefnor smiled into the emptiness of the once again silent Dante's museum. Lifting Carla's body, she cried out in pain as he spun her around, cauterizing all her wounds with a demonic fire as he declared, Thank you, loyal servant. For your sacrifice, you shall rule forever by my side. Come, it is time for this world to once again fear my name. Through her pain, Carla smiled. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Marquia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.